twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the borough groves and the momraths outgrabe. Dude, I love that. Like, there's so many good things from this movie. Well, well, sorry, hold on. Hi, everyone. Uh, <laughs> welcome to another exciting adventure into the timeline. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with that quote, today we will be discussing Alice in Wonderland, Disney's 1951 animated classic. Um, here I am. I'm Scott, your host. There. That's my intro. Uh, but more importantly, <laughs> here's Lindsay. There she is. Hi, guys. I am so excited to talk about Alice today. I know. I, I've i watched this movie a lot, uh, you know, like, growing up and stuff, and it never see like, I think the overwhelming, like, majority of this movie just makes me laugh. Like, every, there's so much fucking hilarity in this movie, and it, oh, dude, it's just, it's so good. It's I so good. I love that that's your take. I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation because we haven't really talked about this before this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really seen your notes, and... I am horrified by this. This story terrifies me. This is some of the scariest stuff I think there is out there. Not a minute of this is funny to me. I am oh my so God. afraid of this. So Holy we're going to have a really fun talk. Yeah. This is insane. Well, Alice in Wonderland is terrifying. Yeah. Holy crap. Um, well, let's let's find out where we are. Uh, now let's the, put this in its place yeah, in time. We need, to, we need to kind of set the stage a little bit here. So it, like I said, it's 1951. Um, for her historical context, uh, Truman, or we're in the midst of the Truman administration, as well as the Churchill administration. Um, but I Love Lucy debuted on CBS, and I think it's really funny that this is one of the notes. But birth control becomes a thing. <laughs> I think I think that's crazy because this movie is all about returning to your youth, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, like it was a way for for adults to you know reconnect with that childhood wonder that they had in like their imagination and shit um and then we have birth control and comes birth on control. the scene yeah <laughs> yeah makes its hot debut yeah. <laughs> i think that that kind of stuff is really interesting when we're contextualizing this like yeah. what else is what's happening around us what's the zeitgeist what's the culture right now and that was one of the bigger things for for 1951 we had All About Eve winning the Oscar, which for once is a movie we've heard of, though not one I've personally seen. Same. I have heard of it. I just, I, yeah, it's yeah. Not, not my favorite. Uh, um, in the Disney timeline, this is coming after Cinderella and before Peter Pan. So both of which are movies that we'll be covering. Um, at a certain point very soon, we're probably going to start skipping through some stuff with the temp pad. So I think it's good to kind of say where we are with the movies. Yeah. Um, it's still the beginning of the Silver Age. This is Disney's 16th movie. Um, there's no warning on this one, and just one cigar. I know, so and that was actually... scaring the shit out of me. That's <laughs> in my note, and... Um, yeah, it. that's just... It's yet again another thing that was not warned about. And I, I need to know where the line is drawn with, mm-hmm. like, these cigars. Because Cinderella had them. He shoved a whole bunch of them in the Grand Duke's face. Um... But then there was a warning on... I, you know what I think it was? I think there was only a warning on Pinocchio because it was kids doing it. I agree. We got another warning somewhere else for the tobacco, though, did we not? And it was because whoever was smoking it got really sick. Like, so far, the ones that have come with a warning, they've smoked and they've gotten sick about it. 
Uh, yeah, I think you're right. right. And yeah. I can't remember, or maybe we're maybe that was us speculating about Peter Pan that the, that the kids get sick. I think is I think that's what we were saying. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's it because they share the pipe with the. There's also how gratuitous it is. You know, know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. the ones that are, like, blowing up in people's faces, and they're, like, smoking them all in one hit. Like, this one is, like, the walrus is, like, casually smoking a cigar. Like, I'm not offended by it. Yeah, it's fine. I, I don't see how it would really, like, cause a problem. It's fine. He's just, like, he's, like, responsibly enjoying that cigar. He's not, like, yeah, we've the seen one some he really found irresponsible tobacco use. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not, right? it wasn't even his originally. They're just wandering. Because he's broke as fuck. Anyway. They, yeah. Um, in in terms of like the rest of there's so much context on this so I'm going to try and keep this moving because I have like they're all my notes there's just so much ridiculousness happening here but um, Walt absolutely loved this story he wanted to make this before Snow White he considered having Alice in Wonderland be the first movie there's a Mickey through the mirror short which, for those who don't know, the the books are called Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. And so Mickey Through the Mirror was an Alice in Wonderland take with Mickey Mouse that was before Snow White. He started production on this as soon as the war was over. Um, and it made no money, which is too bad. And, like, thank God for Cinderella, right? Or I Disney know. is fucked yeah. right We'd now. would be so screwed. Yeah, they didn't make a dime on this movie in its original release, which I'll talk about in just a second. But, Har- um, sorry, Walt did say that where he thought the issue in this was and why it didn't make money, why people didn't really like it, is that it had a lack of heart. And it prioritized the intellectual over the emotional, is what Walt said. Mm. That I th- and I think that that's fascinating and true of this. Is that supposed to be a pun, too? Like, it lacked heart? Um, I mean, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Probably. It's Walt. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think he did that intentionally, but I do think that's really funny. I think that's a direct quote. I could be wrong, but I, that is kind of what he said, that it just didn't, it didn't work. And, yeah. it, and it was also, there was like five different directors on this. Like, this one's kind of that. episodic yeah, again. There were yeah. three, um, and actually, so I, while I was rewatching this, I rewatched this with my girlfriend, and she is actually the one that pointed out, like, this doesn't seem like a movie. This just seems like a collection of stories bound together by, like, the overarching theme of her journey. Yeah, it's very episodic, though I think it does manage to have, like, a little bit more of a solid storyline. I don't know, almost than Pinocchio, which was so all yeah. over the place. But it's like, <laughs> it's the, it's hard to criticize it for that because it's a dream. Like, I think it does yeah. follow the, like, what it feels like to be in a dream. I think the movie really captures in the book, too. Yeah, I agree. And that's what it is. So it's like, yeah, no, it, it is kind of episodic. It doesn't have a totally great through line. The, the movie kind of creates the MacGuffin of the White Rabbit. For Alice to be like, she's trying to follow the rabbit. That's usually what takes her from scene to scene in the movie. So they sort of try to have him take her through the movie, but it mostly fails. Well, Um, after his house, it's just not a thing anymore. Like now she's just because then she goes into the Tulji Wood. Yeah. And that's her, and that's when the shit gets really scary. But then from the Tulji Wood, she finds the door that follows the rabbit. So she does ultimately go from like she loses him for a minute and that's when things get really scary but ultimately mm. she finds him again and it's how the door opens up yeah um so Alice has Alice has two rides at the park not Snow White or whoever no. I said 
Remember at one point I was oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, and they have two rides at the park. I was thinking about Alice. That's right. She has the uh, she has the teacups, obviously, which mm-hmm. is like one of the best rides there. Um, but then she has she has her typical travel through the story ride. Um, but that's the, <laughs> I the, described it as Alice's wild ride or whatever. I'm so you were more eloquent. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's hardly wild. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I will say about that ride that I do love is that it goes outside. Like yeah, you're inside, does. you go through the story, and then you come outside on like a little miniature overtrack, and then it's you go fully back dark, inside. Right? Yeah, it's. I thought that was really cool. That's actually one of my favorite story rides. I don't normally go on them because I'm older now, and I don't have a reason to. Unless it's Peter Pan or Mr. Toad's, right? And it's See, like that's what's so funny. I, I can't even remember the last time I went on the Peter Pan ride. Really? I, um, I we'll know. We'll talk about and, it next time. I don't yeah. want us to stay. I'm like, I don't, we always get so sidetracked. I but, but I love the Peter Pan ride. I'm not sure whether Alice has that story ride, whether that's in Florida. If it is, it's new or I always skipped it. Cause oh, yeah. I recall it mostly from California. Um, also interesting that Alice is not a Disney princess. Like, she's not mm-hmm. part of the official Disney princess crew. Which, like, most of them are, regardless of their royalty status, but Alice isn't. Um, But she is Disney's third female protagonist. um, And the first not to have a love interest, which will not be done again for a hot minute. Oh, that's true, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be a while before we get another female lead who is not... It's not a princess movie, it's not a love story. So, yay Alice for that part of her, her legacy. Because it's going to be a while. That's I didn't even think of that. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. A long while. Like, Jesus. I think to, like, modern times. Like, uh, you might be looking at, like, Elsa. I'm gonna, you know what I need to start fucking doing? Is <laughs> pulling up the timeline as like we're discussing it, this. Like, yeah, since we have it, it's, like, I readily know. available to us. Why the fuck am I not doing that? I don't know, because I have Okay, it. yeah, all right. No, so I have it this we're time, good. though. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe it will be a minute, though, before we get another female protagonist. Like, the lead, not, like, Jasmine. Oh, well, yeah. Not that she's not in a romance story. But, yeah. And then, um, while, while you look at that, I'll, I want to read this quote from the New York Times, and this is kind of yes, the last background do. thing before we dig in, but I thought this was fascinating. So, like I said before, Alice made no money when it came out in its original run in theaters. However, this, like all of these um, Disney classics, came out multiple times in theaters over the years because, remember, we didn't get these at home on VHS till the 80s, right? right? They were, like, playing on TV and stuff, but they would re-release in theaters for a long time in their legacy. Alice in Wonderland re-released in theaters in 1974. And the New York Times said of their resurgence in the box office where they made a fuck ton of money, approximately one metric fuck ton, in 1974. (laughs) The New York Times said, along with the money from the capacity bookings came some strange rumors about what was going on in the heavily smoked-filled fraternity houses, university theaters rented by college film societies, discotheques, and private homes where the film sometimes played over and over again for an entire weekend. The financial failure of 1951 had become the turn-on film of 1971, followed by its big brother Fantasia, following its big brother Fantasia into a haze of marijuana and hash. And so I should I should clarify there. Sorry, it came out again in 1971. This is a New York Times article from 74. So I mixed oh, the dates okay. up. 
my bad. But uh, but I love this that this came back out and people were like, let's get fucked up and watch this movie. I, yeah, I feel like that was the time where everybody was just like, here we go. Like this is the perfect movie for this shit. Well, it's so trippy, and it makes sense that it follows Fantasia, because we... I mean, I said that about Fantasia, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. I can own the let's get fucked up and watch (laughs) Disney stuff. Like, I... And this movie, for me, that's not... I mean, like I say, Alice scares me, so the last thing I want to do is, like, trip and watch Alice. Like, that's absolutely not something I would... No, thank you very much. Like, that would... I don't think I would ever come out of that. But, uh... But I get why people did, and I get where it comes from. It's not like she doesn't spend the whole movie eating a mushroom. So, just throwing that out there. Yeah, that, uh... <laughs> I had a couple questions about that when it came up. I'm prepared to answer them. <laughs> Actually, and so it's... There was a question I noticed in your notes, and I'm excited to answer that, too. Mm. But, um... Good. Yeah, it was, uh... It was definitely it was definitely one of those movies that I could see people just like, you know, just high off their minds watching because it it's colorful but it's loud it's fast moving like it just yeah it it's that perfect movie and it obviously it spawned an entire like oh my god what the fuck was he on when he wrote this like he's this is clearly like a drug trip movie and all that stuff and yeah it just it adds up. For sure. <laughs> and that's so totally not where this came from. Right? I know. This is the 1971 interpretation of this at the re-release, which I think is really fun that all those, like, 20 years later, right? I guess yeah. not all those years. <laughs> 20 years later, um, that this movie could come back out and really hit audiences in, in a way that I'm sure it wasn't intended. Like, there's nothing about the background yeah. of this that is about hallucinating yeah. in any way, shape, or form. But I love that people took this and did that with it. I think that's I know. great. They're I love that people like were like, you know what? Yeah. Whereas with Fantasia, I don't know that that wasn't part of the intent. I swear yeah, to God. Like, I, it's, like, it's just it's I, too much. There's a little, like, there's a little part of me that's like, no, that totally that totally drives. Like, I totally, I totally feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Walt wanted something to get fucked up to. But yeah. not the case, I think, with, with Alice in Wonderland. The real background of Alice in Wonderland is quite different. And I will speak about that. But before we get there, would you like to read a plot summary? Would you like me to read a plot summary? Oh, I'd be delighted to read a plot summary. Please do. So, I actually really like yours. That's why I didn't write mine down. Um, Okay, fair enough. Yours is... Plus, it just seems like this is one of your, like, passion films. So, I I wanted to take, like, as little from you for this as possible. For the fact that I'm going to give it a lowish rating, it is one of my passion films. I know. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, plot. Forever bored by her lessons, Alice begins to wander about, or wonder about a world where nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. Spotting and following a highly sus one. Jesus Christ. (laughs) A highly sus white rabbit, Alice falls into Wonderland and navigates her way through this senseless dream world of mercury-poisoned hatters, nightmare cats, and murder-happy queens. Alice, at first unperturbed by her strange circumstances, becomes increasingly panicked until things finally reach a crescendo and, like the end of all dreams, she awakens. So Pretty much it, right? <laughs> I... <laughs> I need to address, like, the number one thing that you just said is... Or, like, the first part of that is Alice Falls into Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Dude. 
it was like, it's my first note literally on my page. It just says, why is she not freaking out about falling down this hole? Yeah, and this is what I think is is really scary about Alice. And I think I think like yeah, let's just jump right into what this is about, which is yeah. I think how I take it that this is like a really scary coming of age story. And it's like she's not freaking out because she doesn't know yet how afraid she should be of everything around her. And she's about to just like we don't mm. as kids. That's a good point. That's like fair. And also in the, I'm going to do a lot of sort of like philosophizing about this story Mm -hmm. in a way that I'm sure is not intended by the author. (laughs) No, she's a philosophizer. But, you know, before, a philosophizer. (laughs) No, that's Okay, Scott. I know, sorry, I I just uh, watched Dodgeball the other night and I just, that was perfect, (laughs) so. But I think, I think, um... It's also important to just say, because I'm not going to say it for every single point. I'm just Mm going to say it up front. It is a dream. It is explicitly a dream. And so the answer to a lot of the questions about Alice in Wonderland is just that. But that's not fun, and then the podcast is over. So let's just say it up front and then put it away. (laughs) Well, that's Um, it. Good night, everybody. Yeah, and it's a dream, so get over it. That's the answer. But no, but I I think she's not scared because she doesn't know to be yet. She's just like... What the fuck is happening? She just goes with it. And Alice yeah. in the book at this point, because it's this is very book accurate for most of it, to Alice's adventures in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Some some things are being pulled from through the looking glass. Largely, it's the first book. And Alice's approach here, like, there is no white rabbit that she's following. There is in the very beginning, but not beyond that. When she goes in the rabbit hole, she's following the white rabbit. And right. she does see him again, but it's not her, like, reason for being there. And she really just says to herself, fuck it. Like, once she's falling, she's like, cool, well, there's no going back, so I have to just go forward. And that's the whole story, is that there's nothing for Alice to do except for just fucking keep going, I guess. Yeah. And I just think it's this, like, terrifying analogy for adulthood, that you walk into it as a kid without any idea of, like, everything's fine, you know? Like... I don't know, like, I had a cat that I used to say if he went outside would be killed for sure because he'd, like, walk up to a coyote and try and make friends with oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing yeah. where it's just, you just don't know. And I think I think she doesn't know to be scared of falling down the hole. She just is. Yeah. She's learning the world for the first time. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's fair. She just kind of, like, I don't want to say accepts it because she is, like, asking questions about it the whole time. But I feel like that's a good port or that's a good explanation is like she is a, first of all, she's 10. So she is right. thus far the youngest. Um, I'm not including Pinocchio because he's like 18 it's hours not old. A, it's not a real boy. Yeah. Um, she is 10. She is the youngest uh, Disney protagonist to date uh, that we have covered. And I think a large part of her interactions with everything is perfectly like is a perfect mirror for how I think a 10 year old would react in situations like that. Like they would try to be, they are on that cusp of adulthood. So they would try to be like, what would be like the rational thing to do here or -hmm. what would be like good advice for this situation. But they're also like, Holy shit, that looks dope. I'm going to follow that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They're impulsive. Yeah. She, like, they, Alice says when she is in the Tulji Wood, which the Tulji Wood is is also from the Jabberwocky, which is the opening quote. Yeah. And the Jabberwocky comes from 
um, through the looking glass. And a lot of what's happening in the Telji wood is some of the most like stuff they did take from through the looking glass. A lot of it. Cause that's like, that is all Jabberwocky vibes. And when she's alone there and she loses the path and she only when she loses the path there in the Telji wood, which is the first time that she stops follow it. Like she goes from adventure to adventure following the rabbit. And when right. she gets stuck in the wood, she loses the rabbit and she loses the literal path. Like that weirdo animal like comes and sweeps oh, it away. Dog. Right. Yeah. yeah. The broom dog. And she says, I went along my merry way and I never stopped to reason. I just kept going from one thing to the next thing. And I said, fuck it. I can't go back. So I'm Mm. just going to go forward and never stop to think logically about where she's going, which is what has always terrified me about this story, because I'm really like a practical person. Like I sit there and watch her just go from thing to thing, like, fuck it. And I'm like, wait, hang on. How do you get back? Even as a kid, I was like. Bitch, if you go through that door, what is going to happen? Yeah. Like, isn't your purpose now to get back to that door so you can go home? But no, it's not. Alice is very Lyra Balakwa in this. She's yeah. just going forward. She reminds me a lot of Lyra um, from His Dark Materials. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we another, share that fandom. Another show I've, I've not watched but have been mm. told to multiple times. Don't. You can take a hard pass on the show and read the book. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Show's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, that was the vibe I got from you telling me that's a pass yeah. on. <laughs> but I think I think this is all like I don't know. I'm kind of on my soapbox about like the meaning of this story here, yeah. but I really think like your question about falling down the rabbit hole like it just leads right into it. You know, it's just oh, yeah. this horrifying coming of age story where nothing makes sense. You're just out there. And it feels in this movie like everyone else, like everyone in Wonderland is kind of speaking their own language. Yeah. And Alice can't make sense of that. Ultimately, she's alone in trying to figure all of this out. And that becomes like sharply defined to her in the Telji wood, where which incidentally, guys, Telji is an adjective. They just like use it like it's the name of the wood here. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's supposed to be a, a made up adjective. But she's just like alone in trying to figure out how to approach the world, which ultimately we all are. And that's what I think is so scary and existential about this story. And, and I'm sure that Carol intended none of it. Yeah. But I have always really felt that from this story. It's just very existential adulthood. Like, you just don't know what you're doing. You're just out there faking it till you make it. And, and who knows what's good or bad for you and what's going to make you grow and what's going to do the opposite. Right? Like, this, yeah. I don't know. That's my take, like, on this whole story <laughs> in general. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't argue with that. Like, I can't. Like, it's, and I feel like this is gonna be this is gonna be an episode, or like this is gonna be a movie where I I find myself just like agreeing with you on a lot of this because you, I unfortunately have not read through the Looking Glass. I owned it at a time. I just I never got around to reading it. Have but you read Alice? Because remember, there's two. Okay. I know. Um. It's it's fucking horrifying. Have you seen the original Cheshire Cat? Drawing? Oh, what he looks like? Yes, I have. Yeah, because that is the it's stuff like those, fucking uh, nightmares. Gorefield. Have you ever seen any of the uh, the Gorefield memes? No, and if it remember if it resembles this in any way, I, I don't want to. Okay, the I'll original send you the drawing of the Cheshire. No, please God. <laughs> <laughs> the if if anybody out there has not seen the original illustration of the Cheshire Cat, please do look it up. That is that is present in Lewis Carroll's Alice Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, like in this ostensibly fucking children's story, which yeah. it is not. And um, 
the foreword to the copy of the book that I have has this really interesting intro about the fact that it's not considered children's literature by a lot of people. And yeah. that the story is, like, really interpreted to be all these things that it isn't necessarily. Like I say, I doubt that Carol had any intention of the things that I just said that I think are, like, valid takeaways from this book. But oh, I yeah. really doubt that they were intended by by Lewis Carroll, who, whose real name is Charles Dodson, the biggest creep in the universe. <laughs> now, do you know about this, Scott? Like, what's your what's your knowledge so, base on, like, the real story of this? My understanding, and again, it's very loose, but it's my understanding that he was actually in love with a, a little girl named Alice, mm-hmm. um, who was the daughter of one of his, I think, business partners? Yeah, or friends or colleagues. Yeah. He worked in Oxford. Um... Yeah, he... I mean, that's exactly correct. And Creepy. not really a content warning, but just like a heads up. Like, this this is fucked up and we're only going to talk about it for a minute. But yeah. heads up to everybody. Um, I mean, it was the Victorian era, so it was like some of this stuff wasn't uncommon. Like, it yeah. wasn't unheard of for adult men to paint portraits of naked little girls. Right? right? Which is something that he very much did with Alice Little, who was a real girl. Um... But this really, like, it gets... There's this whole sort of mystery conspiracy around it. It's not even a conspiracy. It's just what happened. But it's like, he had this relationship with the Littles, with Alice in particular, but also her siblings. And they were his child's companions and his child friends, as he called them. And that he just, like, really liked hanging out with little kids and to paint them naked and take them on boat rides and the golden afternoon which is Mm -hmm. there's a song about in the movie is um a boat ride that he took alice and her siblings on where alice in wonderland was conceived and there's nothing to say that there was anything untoward happening necessarily on that boat ride like we don't know right but and and in fact probably there weren't there wasn't because those diary entries still exist. Right. And so he had this relationship with the littles and with the kids, and he used to take them out, like, all the time, right, and tell them stories of Alice. And the, and, and Alice Little said, write this down for me, and he did. And so that's where the both of the books came from. But eventually the littles cut off ties with Dodgson and said, no, we're not it's not okay for you hanging out with the kids anymore. And for a long time it was, even though it sounds creepy as fog. Right, or like, wait, yeah. he was doing what? It's like the parents were cool for a while until they weren't. And they cut it off with him and all the diaries from that time are lost or destroyed. Damn. So no one can really say what happened, um, how long it was going on for, how it was found out, what the parent, like the whole thing is a big question mark. But it is absolutely not disputed that he was in love with Alice. Like, that Wait, he would so have liked to marry know, Alice. We, we don't even know what caused the parents to, like, change their mind? No. Holy because shit. it was all destroyed or lost. Yeah. But I That's, think it's clear. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not debated that he was in love with her. Oh, no. It's not even that uncommon in the Victorian era. Yeah. To have a massive age difference like that. Because it would have been massive. He was an adult. Mm-hmm. But the lost diaries, I think, are what's really intriguing. And then he goes on in his later diaries. So, and other, some of 
Other diary entries are also lost or missing with other families yeah. and other kids and other Alice's, which I think is fascinating. Um, I mean, there are diary entries of Charles Dodson's that are like, I've spent the summer, you know, on the seaside and it's lovely to be on the seaside because you can make a new child friend every day at the beach. And it's like, oh, oh God. I literally hate this movie now. Yeah, like, it got it got is... super not great. Like, the backstory to Alice is dark. We're going to find some, like, pretty similarly fucked up stuff with Jam Berry and Peter Pan just heads up. Well, it's yeah, not, I knew that. Not dissimilar, the original Peter Pan background. <laughs> um, and not surprising, because it's all about being a kid and, you know, yeah, this different than Peter. Yeah, and all that shit. Yeah. Well, because Alice doesn't really try to live forever. Alice tries to grow up. She tries to wake up and get yeah. out of the situation, but... So enough about this, like, fucked up background, but that's some of the most fascinating stuff about this to me, because it's mm. like, oh my god. And and I think speaks to the fact that a lot of what we today and, you know, literary people over many, many decades have speculated about Alice in Wonderland and the takeaways that we have of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, not necessarily intended by Charles Dodson, a.k.a. Lewis Carroll. Like, this was just a story that was told verbally on a boat in Oxford to a little girl he was in love with. Which is like a whole, you know, it's its, its own fucked up yeah. thing. It's not really what we are taking away from it. And yet he was a writer. And so surely these, some of these themes are, are real. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Anyway, I'm sorry. I know I'm monopolizing a lot of this. No, absolutely. Like, this is... I knew going into this, this was going to be one that I was going to be learning a lot from you, and that's the whole point of this fucking podcast. Like, I... I, If I don't know something, like, I want to know, and you are, like, my expert right now. So, like, please continue. Where where it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, Um, tell me me some of your thoughts. Um... Because I'm sure I have thoughts on things you have notes on. Because I don't have your notes. I don't know what's in there. Tell me what you think, Scott. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Um, No, don't be. I like it. Surprise me. So I do want to kind of start on a... I want to, like... I want to kind of jump back to the Disney aspect of this movie. And again, I mentioned it in Cinderella. Um, Cinderella and movies around this time all start with... Or at some point in the film have a quote... Or inspirational message or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cinderella's was even miracles take a little time. Uh, Alice in Wonderland's is actually said very quickly and in the very beginning of the movie. Um, actually, not very beginning. It's like ten minutes in, um, and it's actually what the doorknob says. Uh, he says, "No, Im- uh, impassable. Nothing's impossible." And yes. I think if you take it just as what he's saying, he's basically just saying, like, you can do anything if you just focus or you have, like, the motivation to do it. But a lot of the things that then happen in this movie are because nothing is impossible. And I think mm-hmm. that's, like, the whole point is, like, if you really buckle down and focus on it, you really can do like anything you want. And that's just like, it's not my favorite quote. Again, Alice in Wonderland is not one of my favorite movies. Um, but I did think it was worth pointing out that there is another like motivational message in this movie. Peter Pan's is a little harder to find. Um, but whatever. Um, (laughs) but my biggest like 
first takeaway from this movie is just how overtly violent it is in the weirdest yes. ways. Mm-hmm. Like after she she sails through the doorknob's mouth and she's actually in the ocean or whatever and she meets Dodo. Yeah. Dude, if you actually watch when she washes up on shore, they're full on trampling her. Like her face is being smashed into the sand. In the caucus race. Yeah. Yeah. And that's her first, like, these are the first people she's seeing other than the doorknob, right? All she's talked to is the doorknob, and now she's just, like, literally smashed into the sand and just being totally run over by this world that she doesn't know how to operate in totally. And, yeah, it is, there's a lot of violence. There's the, well, I mean, the the queen never actually beheads anybody here or in the book, which I think is hilarious. No, not only do we not see it, it, it doesn't happen. I think in the movie they don't show it, but in the book, um... The king, I think, or the white rabbit. Somebody tells Alice, they're like, don't worry about it. Nobody actually gets executed. Like, she moves on to the next thing. We don't behead them. We would all be dead. Like, there wouldn't be anybody. We just don't actually do it. She doesn't notice. (laughs) Because I did notice that when uh, they're taking the red card that can't get the croquet ball through Mm -hmm. away, she's like, ah, and then all the cards, like, blow away. So, like, you don't actually know, like, what happens to him. Like, they all just kind of seem to, like, follow her. Like, oh, we're going to get her. Here's the only thing, though, that does surprise me that even in the books they say that. Because does everyone not know? Do, do the, does the rest of the people, like, not know that? Because the the black cards were super afraid of that. Yeah, I mean, I think this might be a difference in continuity of, of the movie and the book. Like, it may oh, be okay. in the movie they're supposed to be to think that's going to happen. Right, I don't know. In the and in the book, there's no visual to see that they look scared. They just sort of are there, and it's fine. And you know, it's and then they laugh about it. Yeah. Um. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say on that one. But she she definitely like talks a lot about beheading people, obviously. Yeah. Um. And Alice gets squashed in, and there's the oysters later, and there's I'm trying to think of what other like overt violence there is in this. The oh, there's tons. Around, so like. the Tweedledee and Tweedledum basically beat the shit out of each other. They're so scary. Yeah. They're um, from Through the Looking Glass. Oh, are they? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not from Alice originally, and they just get popped into this to scare the fuck out of me. It's their <laughs> purpose. Um. See, that's what I don't get. Like, I think they're funny because of the, like, and I think, I may have mentioned this before, but, like, I have such a childish sense of humor like I think random noises and stuff are like hysterical to me. So when they punch each other in the stomach and it just goes like, uh-huh, like I think that shit is so fucking funny. And I Dude. don't know why. Like it just like it's hysterical to me. Like I think the sound of an air horn is one of the funniest sounds on earth. And but, it's like you hear the air horn and I see these two creepy twins pop up from behind a log, like and talking about like death is the story they end up telling us and murder and like they they show up out of nowhere and they're just well yeah I I think that their original like honest to god most of my feelings about this don't come from the Disney movie I think we should be clear about that because I read this young and many times and when I picture the Tweedles I do picture the original uh, illustration which again Look that up, because holy fuck, they are so... The original illustration of the Tweedles is scary from Through the Looking Glass. Like, and they just are sort of like... And they were eating everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Why is it funny that everybody's dead? All right, well, that okay, so that's like watching this as an adult. And even when I was a kid, I was like, that sucks. But like watching it as an adult, I'm like, bro, the the walrus's story is just an, a long-ass version of Curiosity Killed the Cat. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, like, I have questions about this. I don't get the walruses. I, I don't I don't understand. get his motivation. Like, that's... Well, I don't get... There, there he, are two is he just lazy? I understand. He's just no, lazy, he's right? No, he's like, like a con artist, right? He's like a carpetbagger is what he's supposed oh, to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's supposed to be like a carpetbagger. He's here to fuck over this community. That's what he's here to do. Gotcha. That's what he's... That's what that's supposed to be, right? But... the I didn't get when... Like, when he comes to, like, ask the young oysters to, like, come hang out with him, and Mother Oyster looks at the calendar, and it's, like, there's, like, a... Why does the R get all red and weird? Yeah, why is it the R on the calendar that makes her, like, makes her, like, worry about it? I the, didn't get it. That's why she didn't want them to go? I, I didn't understand that. I have no idea. The only thing I can think is that, like, it's cold still, so, like, the oysters shouldn't be, like, moving around and shit. I don't. I guess so. I, I, I don't know. They look at no the, it's the R in March. I was trying to find it in my notes. She looks yeah. at the, it's calendar and she, the R in March like glows red. It gets all red and huge. Like it vi- it pulses or whatever. And she's like, oh, nope. And I didn't understand that. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that at all. I couldn't figure out any reason. Even when I was a kid, I was like, I don't. Why is that? No, I've never understood it. And I really thought on this watch, like it would uh, yeah, make it would sense click. to me, but it yeah. didn't. And I haven't looked it up. So. If anyone knows what that's about, please do email us yes. at go behind the timeline at Gmail. Let us know what that's about because I really don't know. The other thing I didn't get there is like, okay, so the carpenter's like super pissed at the end because the wall receipts all the oysters, right? Yeah. Like, is he mad because he also wanted to eat the children or yes. because he didn't think they were going to eat them? No. He, so if you pay attention, he find, he's the one that finds them and says, yo, there's oysters down here, and he's rubbing his belly, and he's licking his lips and stuff, yeah. and he's like, yo, there's shit to eat down here. And then he makes a joke while the walrus is trying to take them out of the water, and he's like, yes, and if, should we, if we should get hungry along the way, trying to imply, like, right. we're gonna eat the fuck out of you. But here's the, here's the really, like, crazy part about this. They're just oysters. Like, this isn't something they fought for, or, like, it doesn't imply that they're starving on the beach. And the carpenter is straight up willing to murder the walrus because he didn't get any of these oysters. And that's <laughs> like the part really that just, like, it. blows just, my like, mind. They just wanted a delicacy, and yeah. he was he didn't get any. I mean, and he's gonna murder him. Yeah, he does, like, chase him with an axe, doesn't he? He chases him with his hammer, and I'm just See, like, See, nothing Dude. about this movie's funny. All of it's terrifying. Like, now what I the have fuck to is this story they're telling them? That like, story is just like, yo, be careful when you're curious about shit, because if you're not paying attention, you're going to get led into, like, a situation where you're going to die. It's also, like, contextually, like, in the real world, the way that this comes up and the way it's, like, presented in Through the Looking Glass, they have, like, the Father William rhyme that they do. Oh, yeah is in there and there's Alice does a similar thing with the caterpillar where he asks her to recite something right and this Skills. is like no it was a it's like a, a story like a verbal thing that she has oh, to recite right, similar right, to right, Father right, William right, right, right. Um, and I'm blanking on what it is right now but both of those appear in 
in the books. I think I think the one with the caterpillar is in the first book. The other one isn't through the looking glass. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are like these Victorian lesson things that you had to recite. You had to memorize and say these things with your diction and your mm-hmm. like enunciation, all this shit. And this was like part of what they had to do as Victorian kids. And right. I want to say that the walrus and the carpenter, like when it's told to her by the Tweedles, is like they're like pronounce something and she's like okay and she does like father william and they're like no no that's not right we'll show you the walrus and the carpenter and i think they do it similarly in the movie and it's it that would have been like what her lessons are which is what she's fallen asleep during yeah because she fell asleep that would have been what she's asked to do in school she would have been asked to like recite all this bullshit when she's in class like and they're random nonsense stories it's just well yeah for speaking Right, to learn how to speak properly out loud or to in public. Right, I for guess. diction. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I okay. That makes more sense. Well, because like they tell her the story and then they try to tell her the Father William story, and she's like, ah, "No, fuck this. I'm getting the fuck out of here." Um, right. Because she and she like recognizes it because she knows that because she has to do Father William. Yeah. <laughs> um. So here's a question that I have for you. As another part of the movie, um, and I didn't realize this until this watch through. Um, and for those of you who aren't aware, I actually looked this up. Um, what the rabbit is late for is his appearance in court. Yeah, he yeah. is. Um, he is the official uh, official queen's proclamator. He literally announces where she is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's what, what so he's running to when he get. Can we see him get there? Right, the whole story is him being late to get there, and he's trying to get to the same place where Alice ends up. Exactly. Which is the trial. So yeah. if you're paying attention, she sees him in the beginning, and she's like, "It's just a rabbit in a waistcoat." The next time that we see him, he's changed into his royal regalia. Mm-hmm. And that actually is that's that's what put it together for me. I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Yeah, and he has the horn, and he's like, I'm here to announce you, and he's there. Yeah, he's there in the book as well. He shows back up when they meet the queen. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's what he is. And they do. I do like in the movie how she follows the rabbit. It makes sense. It was a good through line for them to give the rabbit, because the rabbit plays less of a role in the book. He's just, he's there in the beginning, and he's there in the end. Um, But he's not like this MacGuffin that she chases throughout the story Mm -hmm. past... But I guess we didn't talk about the tea party. So, okay, I'm really... <laughs> I'm like, before we talk too much about the queen and the end of this and the cat... I want to talk about the caterpillar a little bit, too, but... Well, yeah, obviously. Like, we have to talk about I the I want to talk about this who are you section of it. Yeah, briefly, go for but... it. Lay it on Well, me. no, but, t- but let's talk about the... Uh, okay. Let's talk about the Mad Hatter. So... What did you think? What do you think about the Mad Hatter? This is another instance where my childhood love for... Or my childlike love for stupid noises comes in. I think the Mad Hatter and the March Hare are fucking hysterical in this movie. I was laughing the whole time. The different ways that they pour tea, the way that the rabbit cuts the stream of tea off with his ears, and the stream actually stops. The, he's oh like, God, I just want a half so cup, creepy. and he pours the tea into half of a cut glass yeah. of tea. <laughs> and then, like, they fuck up the rabbit's watch and shit. Like, all of that stuff is so funny to me. But then, like, oh it god. takes this Fucking weirdly... up the watch was never funny to me. Oh my god. Are I you love serious? the way of this difference. Oh, I never Dude. thought that was funny. I always felt really existential about this. Oh my god, because like, he's like a mustard. 
and he ruins it, and he's like, "Was it, it's like his it's father's watch time. or something?" It was his unbirthday. It was an unbirthday. An unbirthday present, yeah, and it's destroyed, and it's just like, and and then. Oh my god, and then how do you know what is going on at all? If you lose the watch at that point, isn't like that the last like tie to well, stability? Yeah, I think that's like now it's all fucked. Well, and they throw him out too, so he just like books it right to the castle. So yeah, he does. I don't really know why he he stopped. I don't remember. Do they grab him as he's like on the path? They haul him out of there, and then I can't remember if it's then or before. If it's before that or after that, Alice is at his house. I think it's after that, so he goes so, to his yeah. house next. I want to say because then he needs to like get his shit, and Alice is there, and I don't, I don't right, recall. Right, because she shrinks, but... and then oh yeah, because then she that was the other that was my other comment. She shrinks, and then she meets the flowers. Yeah, and... which is like deeply creepy. So yeah, that was that was the part that started to freak me out. There are two things I did notice in this scene though. Um, one is from an animation standpoint because every movie I do have to mention some kind of animation masterpiece so or fuck to say up. About it. Oh my god, I dude, there's so no many things comment. I noticed. If you look in the very beginning when it's like cutting from the lake with the little bridge over it, mm-hmm. that's just a painting. And then they superimpose animated swans with, like, little water rippling below them. But it looks so out of place. It's so well, obvious that it's not totally part of it. the totally weird. I know. It just, like, I was like, this is, this is like, the worst intro I've seen so far. Um, but one thing that almost redeemed it is in the scene where she first sees the bread and butterflies... If you look carefully, each bread and butterfly has a different pattern of butter spread on their wings. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, But then the other thing I noticed, which kind of makes this like a weird theme, I guess. The roses basically control everything in this movie. Yeah, they did. So the rose mother is, or mother rose controls all of the other flowers until they all panic that she's a weed, right? Right. Um, and then the roses control the fate of all of the cards. So, like, I don't know what the significance of the rose was. Maybe it's just, like, it was the prettiest flower in the do- at the time. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really interesting. I, I kind of picked up on that when I was like, oh, dude, she's, like, running this shit right now. The, the, yeah, she is. I always liked the, like, the princess, the little rosebud. I yeah. always liked her. She was cool. She was like <laughs> the only part pretty. of this movie that didn't scare the fuck out of me. Yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, it's like, Quite oh, bad. that feels nice and safe and fine for like half a second yeah. of this film. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what they are, what the flowers are that she stands between when she starts singing, but those are the ones that creep me out. They look like cats, but like with weird scraped faces or whatever. Oh, I know the ones you mean. Like they're like, they look like dandelions. Are they dandelions? Okay. I don't know. I have, I don't know flowers. I I'm like, no, oh, that's a real one. I have one. no fucking idea. Like yeah. we're we're like seventy five percent talking about the same one. Like wait, so I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> it's the ones that are like we don't want weeds in our bed, and then they push her out. Like the really super small ones that are very clearly supposed to be children. Oh no, I'm thinking of something different than the dandelions. I'm thinking of the were the ones that acted like dogs or like lions. Oh like they were, no, yeah, okay, that was I know a dandelion, which one you're talking right? About. They were supposed to be lions. Yeah. They had its mane. I don't know. It was scary as shit. And they sing. This is where they sing Golden Afternoon. Yes. Right? Which is taken from the real story, which I'm like, oh, God. It made it all the way here. <laughs> Chills. It's in this movie. Yeah. Um, and then, 
only other thing I wanted to say on that, the reason that the Hatter is mad, right? Is mercury. I think, a, I think a lot of people know this, right? Mm. That it's a mercury poisoning, because in the Victorian era, they used mercury in the hats, mercury dye or something like that. Yep. It turned your hair orange. Yeah. Um, I also think before we move on from the Mad Hatter that I want to, like, very briefly just reflect on just how fucking bad the live adaptation the live action adaptation is and like how much I hate Tim Burton and Johnny Depp I just I hate them I'm sorry I'm gonna be unapologetic about it and that's going to be a theme throughout forever in the timeline I hate both of them except in the original Pirates movie that's the only exception and and some of Johnny Depp's other older stuff but this was fucking awful and I rewatched it for this I went back did you? It was bad. So I never watched the second one. Oh, that's not true. I did watch the second one. Oh, I did too for the first time, and it was worse yeah. than I thought it could I think possibly I be. Would, so. The reason that I think that second one was so bad is that the the first live-action Alice is canonically a sequel, which is it's weird. It's her returning, yeah. Yeah, like, it's mostly Through the Looking Glass, which is a sequel. Like, in Through the Looking Glass, it is Alice again, and she's like, oh my god, look, I can walk through here and I'm in Wonderland. Fucking fantastic. But then all this other crap happens. But she's not, like, an adult, and it's not like this. And Well, yeah, and that one, she's 19, so. Well, and it's well, just weird. Yeah. It's just fucking so weird, and it's like... Uh, Tim Burton, why do you have to be this way? Because it's Tim Burton that makes it have to be like this. And they were, like, so close in the tone of that movie. Like, I remember being really excited when that came out. I saw that movie the day it came out. I guess I really do like Alice in Wonderland, like, the ethos of it, if not this adaptation. I just, like, I was fucking stoked for that, and it was terrible. And then the next movie is called Through the Looking Glass, but it's based on nothing, because most of what happens in the live-action Alice is the plot of Through the Looking Glass. Right? A lot... uh, The beginning of it is kind of like the first movie, but the rest of it is Through the Looking Glass, with the the White Queen and the chess and the Jabberwocky. That's all Through the Looking Glass. And, um... And then the sequel that they made called Through the Looking Glass had nothing to adapt. So it was just hot dumpster fire and it was just Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. Like, just, just they just, I just, I think they should just fucking get it over with is what I think. <laughs> That's my comment on the adaptation. So here's all I'm going to say about the adaptation because it wasn't great. It was entertaining when I first saw it, but here's like, I, I absolutely love that score. I think the I mean, score fine. for that movie is fine. so fucking hot fire. Yeah, I didn't even notice it because of how bad the rest of it is, to be honest. Oh my god, it's it's amazing. And of course it's Danny Elfman, because that's all Tim Burton uses, but... Uh, or that's the only person that Tim Burton uses, but dude, I yeah. absolutely love that score. And I listen to it all the fucking time. But that's honestly, like, one of the only redeeming things about it. I hated Helena Bonham Carter as the Red Queen. Yep. Uh, I thought it was really weird. I didn't really understand the animation used for Crispin Glover's Knave of Hearts. No. I don't get that. Why is he lanky and, like, a slink and shit? Why is any of it? I know. Why was any of that movie? It was just awful. It was just... And, you know... A live-action, fucking, probably R-rated. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, maybe. You could get away with doing this right without the R-rating. I really think you could. Because yeah. you, you don't need, 
language or nudity. And it, you know, I think you could get away no. without the R rating, but yeah, like, it would just be as, violence. Yeah, it would just be violence, which we could totally get away and with, and just have images, it be dark yeah. and skinned and portentous, and like you could really make like a movie out of this. And mm-hmm. I wish that's what they wanted to do, but unfortunately, Tim Burton's no longer interested in that, and I'm no longer interested in him. <laughs> I really hate that I love Johnny Depp as a person. This was not my favorite Johnny Depp movie. I could give a fuck about him as a person. I hate him in this movie. Like, he, I'm like, you could, this could have been cool, Johnny Depp. You could have been cool. All of them. All of it. That's my feeling about this whole, the whole thing is this could have been cool, guys. You could have not been the worst. You made me, who loves this book and wanted this to be cool, go into that theater, like, stoked as fuck, like, with, with all my friends, like, guys, this is going to be dope. Because the trailers made it look like it was going to be what I always wanted, right? And Johnny Depp and Tim Burton made me walk out of that theater trying to make excuses for that fucking dumpster fire, and I'll never forgive them. I, it was as bad as I remembered when I watched it again. <laughs> so just, anyway, moving yeah. on. I didn't Let like me, it. I want everyone to know. Let's steer you good. towards the caterpillar, because this is what I feel like is the one thing like you really wanted to talk about. Yeah, steer me to the caterpillar. I think this is like continuation of the the themes I was talking about earlier, of like this being a really terrifying coming-of-age story. Um, <clears throat> in the book, the caterpillar says, Who are you? Says the caterpillar. This was not an encouraging opening for a conversation, Alice replied. Sorry, Alice replied rather shyly, I hardly know, sir. Just at present, at least I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I must have changed several times since then. And she just has no idea who she is at this point. So, I'm actually going to stop you because I had this question. I don't get this line. Is it implying that Wonderland has some kind of memory loss? Or is she just confused about what she's supposed to be doing there? Or is she just, like, confused about what she's experienced? So... Mostly the latter, mostly her experience. I think in the literal sense, we have to remember that she's been growing and shrinking this whole story. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy to forget that because in Disney, it's not that uncommon for us to be running around and there's a lizard that's our size. But right. she's the size of a gecko when that's happening in that house, right? Or the yeah. rabbit. Like, so her size is going up and down. So she's literally changing a lot through this, which is also true of puberty, which I think mm-hmm. this is absolutely about by Lewis Carroll. I don't think that's just me. I think that that part of this coming of age is absolutely coming from uh, our dude Dodgson. Yeah. But I think it's a lot about that type of physical change, and I think her growth represents that, but also, like, it. I think it is about growing up and finding out who you are and that you change as a person, but in Wonderland it's happening really, really rapidly and she even questions whether she's a serpent, right? Because she grows so tall oh, at yeah. one point and this is in the book and the movie and, you know, and the bird is like serpent, serpent, yeah. you know? And she's like, I don't know, am I a serpent? And in the book especially, but also in the movie they kind of, like, this the bird almost convinces her that she is. Yeah. Like she almost gaslights her into thinking that she actually could be a serpent. She's like, Well look at you, like your neck's long. You say you eat eggs, right? She asks her. She's like, Do you ever eat eggs? And Alice yeah. is like, Totally. Yeah, like, I love eggs. <laughs> Alice puts her foot in it like so much throughout the book, it's ridiculous. Like she'll be like talking to a mouse and she's like, Well my cat Dinah and she's like, Oh I'm sorry, you don't like me talking about cats and how they bring in all the mice. She's like telling a story about that to a mouse <laughs> and it's like gets confused about why the mouse doesn't like it. But 
she has like this is this is all questions about like who who am I? She's trying to figure out you know who she is and how that's changing like literally, physically, and metaphorically for her yeah. in growing up and in this place. And I think that's what that's about. I don't know. I'm rambling. No, I told I. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think just her whole interaction with the caterpillar is just confusing as fuck to me because I don't get what he's actually trying to express to her. The or, caterpillar to me represents like the, the difficulty I was talking about earlier of like it's like everyone speaking a different language, and I think coming into adulthood feels like that. Like, remember your first time at the big kids' table? Did you get that experience? Yeah. Where it's Or at the adults' table, off the kids' table. You're not at the kids' table anymore. Yeah. And they move you up. And you're, like, trying to follow what's going on. Yeah. Like, I think it, I think it represents that a little bit because he's, like, talking some bullshit. And a lot of what he's talking are, like I said before, those Victorian lessons. Yeah. That it sounds like nonsense, but it's something that she would have had to do to practice diction in school. So it's it made more sense to a Victorian audience than it does to us. But he keeps asking her, who are you? And she just can't answer. And he's like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. And then we also have to remember the context of the caterpillar and change and the fact that he does become a butterfly. Yeah. And, like, the the change that that represents and how much this is really just about puberty. I think. Yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, I think that's what this is about. And we see Alice, like, really come into her element with the queen, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. So we go through the Tolji Wood, which is, like, the really scary I'm alone moment, right? Where she starts to realize, like, I, I went along my merry way. I never stopped to reason. Yeah. What was I doing? How did I get here? She finds her way to the queen. And she really kind of comes into her own in this scene. And she seems more in her element with the queen. She seems more in control than with yeah. any other characters. Like, she's just done taking any of the shit. She's like, wait, I don't, I know better than all of this. You're all talking a bunch of crap, and I'm done being gaslighted by it, and, like, yeah. here's where we're at, right? Hmm. Um, and I think the trial, and no coincidence that she wakes up after this, well, yeah. is where she kind of self-actualizes and comes into her own. Like, she grows up to that ridiculous size. Yeah. She... In the book, she's really proud of herself for remembering the proper names for all of the things in the courtroom. Oh, so yeah. So the jurors and the judge and a ver what a verdict is. And she says, no, the like the question of is it judgment first and verdict after? Right? Which is the oh, back, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, backwards. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She, she corrects her. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. It's in the movie, too, at least in that little line. And she goes through this whole process of being like, no, I know this shit. I'm educated. I know what's going on. I'm here, I'm a grown-up, I get it. And then she kind of gets really grounded and just takes agency and crushes the whole thing. She's like, no, you're a pack of cards. This is silly. This yeah. is ridiculous. And then she wakes up. Right? Well, yeah. So she goes through this growth coming of age thing where she doesn't know who she is or how she got there or why and questions her decisions. And then she comes out the other side of it like, no, wait, hold on. All of this is silly. I got yeah, this. I think that's the the end of it. Is she's just kind of like, this was dumb. Like, why? What the hell is happening here? I think a lot of it too is she doesn't feel like anyone's listening to her. Right. And like, obviously, that's gonna frustrate anybody. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think 
I think it is her like being sick and tired of, <clears throat> of you know getting railroaded by these stupid ass questions in this very clearly you know circus court. Oh yeah, well, and it's when she starts to realize that because it's something that she knows is wrong, right? She's yeah. going it over in her head, and she's like, "No, it doesn't go that way. You have to do the verdict, then the judgment." Not right. She's like, oh, yeah. she figures it out that they have it wrong, and takes that agency and that like self assuredness. She stops questioning herself. Right? Who are you? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I've changed so much. I'm not sure what the fuck is going on. To being like, no, I do know how this works. Yeah. And she has this like so in that way, I think Alice does better than like Pinocchio to have growth or like for being episodic and weird and like kind yeah. of a thing about nothing. Like, Alice does go through some motions. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Yeah, definitely <laughs> But it's not. there. It's not a perfect analogy to anything. I'm kind of like, uh, is anything I'm saying making sense? But it's it's certainly there more so than, you know, a lot of the movies we've talked about so far. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, it, it de- this is probably one of the first times where I actually feel like someone grew into something. Like, Cinderella right. didn't. It, we Cinderella talked about came Pinoc- fully baked. Cinderella just had to get oh, out yeah. of the Oh, yeah, she was good to go, like, from yeah. the beginning. She was, yeah, like... 100%. Yeah. Pinocchio didn't learn shit. Nope, not a thing. It... Yeah, it just... Yeah, I'm actually gonna... I'm gonna say, up to this point, she has learned and grown the most of any Disney protagonist we've gone over. For making, like, no sense. Yeah. I mean, Bambi technically had a huge growth that just happened, you know, we as we know, in Bambi it. yeah. 2. It's, so it's, you know, it doesn't count. It's, it's tough for me if it ends up being in the yeah. uh, sequel. But, uh, in any case. <laughs> Sorry, I, like, I don't know if you noticed, I just, like, the spelling of jurors in my, in the notes I saw was you doing it and it distracted <laughs> me because I hadn't fixed it. I, I Scott's literally in our live doc in the notes correcting my spelling, which I, I don't I know do why. Appreciate. That just like I looked over because my notes aren't in the live doc right now, and I just oh my god, I don't know why that I was just like that, what is this word it's supposed to be? It's been bothering me forever too. I just didn't click <laughs> on it, but it distracted me. I did see it. Oh All right. God. Anyway, the point is, that I think yeah. that's most of what I have to say about Alice. Same. Um, suffice to say, I. If I'm, if I'm to rate, like, the ethos of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and the book and everything that exists around it and yeah. it just its whole everything, it's going to get a super high rating for me. Mm-hmm. Like, this could be, like, an 8 or a 9 for me in terms of, yeah. like, ethos. This might be a 9. But as a movie and as a Disney movie, it's a 5. It's fine. <laughs> it's a, yeah. The movie by itself is fine. But everything around it is I'm a big fan of. Um, I'm fascinated by everything that's going on in it, but the movie itself is is kind of just, it's fine. Um, how did you rate this? So I'm actually not that too far off of yours. I was mine was a five point five out of uh, out of ten. That's generous. I well, and the only reason is because it did make me laugh. Like even as an adult, like it did. I can't there were parts. I'm so afraid of this movie, Scott. I can't believe you're over there laughing. I'm, like, having an existential well, like, so, moment over here. I'm, like, worried about my future watching this movie. You're laughing. I, I know, and I'm laughing because I find, like, the dumbest shit hilarious. Like, the scene in the courtroom when they interview the Mad Hatter, 
And she's like, what were you doing at the time of this supposed horrible event? He's like, nothing, whatever. And the queen goes, nothing, whatever. And he just screams back in her face, nothing, whatever. (laughs) I don't know why. That is so fucking hilarious to me. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think a big part of it is I did not read the books. I am only coming at this. I'm going to send you a copy. I'm really. I kind of. Well, and I have a free thing on. I don't want to listen to this as an audio book. I would rather read it. I just did, but I do recommend reading it. Like, I've read yeah. it many times and listened to it once for this, so. Yeah, um, I, I, again, this is not one of my favorite movies. This is my, so, this is my sister's favorite movie. And I, I wanted to, while I wanted to listen to this episode, I hope that this episode does not change her perspective of the film. Because I did actually want her to come on today. Unfortunately, scheduling oh, didn't make her. it happen. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it just, like, it. this isn't one where I was like, this is so funny, like, we have to put this on, or this is, like, one of the best Disney movies ever. Like, no, it wasn't. It's just, like, oh, you guys just watch, like, if I was watching my nephews or something, and be like, oh, you guys just watch Peter Pan? Cool, well, here's Alice in Wonderland, let's check this one out, too. Or, you know, whatever. Like, this one's got a lot of colors, so I can show my youngest nephew. Mm-hmm. But, no, I would never, I would never pick this as the one to, to show really anybody as a showcase for like the best of Disney in the 50s not a chance I don't know it's like I agree and I don't know I know a little kid who really likes this movie like weird like randomly right yeah. um and I, I I saw it a lot like I definitely watched this movie all the time as a kid but I don't know I feel like I rated it really low for how much I like clearly love this yeah (laughs) (laughs) no what did you what did you say or go ahead sorry no that's what i was gonna say like i i can't even give it like because i know what your question is um yeah i can't even give this any kind of villain death or like villain rating i'm not doing deaths anymore um i can't even do any kind of like villain rating because the queen is not scary because she's nice to alice like almost the whole time they're talking she's just she's just trying to tell her like this is the proper way to do things or her mad brain thinks that's the proper way to do things Mm -hmm. because she calls her dear and child and she is nice to her the cheshire cat is just chaotic neutral he doesn't care either way about her he's just there to cause chaos and same with the caterpillar. The caterpillar, he's not a bad. There really is no bad guy in this movie because no one does anything that overtly or negatively affects Alice's life. No, at the end of the day, especially if we're being like really real about it and saying it's a dream, then there yeah. is certainly there's no villain to Alice. I think if anything, Wonderland itself poses the biggest foe. Yes. I would I I would be willing to agree with that, yeah. And I only gave it a 1 out of 10, and only because I feel obligated not to give it a 0. Like, I don't know why, but something about a 0 felt wrong to me. <laughs> um, but trust that that was a last-minute alteration. Like, I had this as I do, I do believe that. I firmly like, believe that was a last-minute alteration. <laughs> yeah, the queen does nothing. Like, it's it's really Wonderland, and, and it's not really... It's it's not an enemy, especially if I continue to follow my own thread, and this is about, you know, growing up and adulthood and self-actualization and all of these things, then Wonderland can't really be a bad thing any more than 
adulting itself is a bad thing, which is millennials. Yeah. No, it absolutely is the enemy. Yeah, However, 100%. it's one we kind of have to deal with. Like, we can't really look at it as the antagonist. Like, well, and we have to suck it up and go to work on Mondays, guys. I know. God. <laughs> Classic Monday. We've done um, pull it together. It's, it's sucked. Here's, it's sucked. here's the thing. Like, before this, there is no, like, good versus evil. Or, like, really, yeah. there is no, like, good representation of good versus evil. Pinocchio has it because it has to, because it's the literal lesson. Snow White, Cinderella do. I or, wouldn't I mean, say the, that... Her name is the evil queen and the yeah, evil stepmother. Yeah, I mean, Snow, like, White, Snow White does. But here's the thing. Snow White doesn't battle the queen. Snow White doesn't no, totally, learn totally. anything. Right. And same yeah, with no, Cinderella. No, Cinderella no. doesn't do anything to to defeat the stepmother. No, they were they were just right from the beginning. Fully yeah. baked and correct is exactly. <laughs> so yeah, there was no, they didn't need to character but develop. They needed some out, outside help. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's the thing. Like she did. The majority of the heroism in Cinderella is not even from Cinderella. Um, oh yeah, it's you know Gus Gus. Yeah. And Jack, yeah, hundred percent. Jack, yeah, and Bruno. Bruno, dude. Bruno, get Bruno. Dude, he's a fucking. He's a a G. G. (laughs) Um, Disney's finest. I know, for real. Here's the the good thing though is our next episode uh, is Peter Pan, and that is the easily one of the best examples of good versus evil, but. Not in the way that you would think about it. And again, we'll discuss it more in Peter Pan when we get to the episode. But with that being said, I'm going to let Lindsay take us out of here because it's been fun and it's been real, guys. But it has not been real fun for this movie. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to head out, but uh, keep an eye out here for we'll have What If Episode 3 later this week. So look out for that. I have no idea what's supposed to happen. Um we're going to find out. Um, and for more exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, we'll be here for Shang-Chi in a few weeks. So keep an eye on us. You guys can send us feedback at gobehindthetimeline at gmail.com. You can see us on Instagram at gobehindthetimeline or hit us up on Twitter at behindtimeline. And until we see you later this week, stay nerdy, guys. See you later, everybody.